And we know some of our institutions don't necessarily have all the resources to compete in federal grants. And so this is a great opportunity to establish those relationships with your member of Congress to tell them about what your needs are and to submit some of those projects that may not be millions and millions of dollars, but who can make a huge difference on your campus. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This is an episode of Need to Know, a more policy-focused offshoot of In the Know. Today, we're talking about appropriations with Carrie Warwick-Smith and Jose Miranda. Carrie is ACCT's Vice President of Public Policy, and Jose is ACCT's Senior Government Relations Associate. We talk about new developments in the appropriations process and updates to programs that are of interest to community colleges. Okay. This afternoon, I am here with Carrie Warwick Smith and Jose Miranda from ACCT, part of our wonderful policy team. And we are talking about appropriations, and there have been some big developments uh, recently. Um, Carrie, do you want to just give us a quick overview of what's been happening? Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, Congress and President Biden have come to an agreement on fiscal year 2022 appropriations. Uh, this is great news. Today, Tuesday, March 15th, the president will sign the appropriations into law and they will fund the government uh, through September 30th, 2022. And you may be asking, well, that doesn't sound like very long. And that's because these appropriations were very delayed. They should have been ready on October 1, uh, 2021. Uh, but we had several continuing resolutions and have now uh, landed on the final appropriations numbers for the fiscal year 2022. Yeah. And thank you, Carrie. And just for anyone's awareness, if you don't know, a continuing resolution is a tool that Congress utilizes to keep the government open and funded, even after they missed their deadline of September 30th, as Carrie mentioned, October 1st where was when we were supposed to have a new appropriations bill, but Congress was not in a position to pass a law at the time. They had not agreed on or come to a consensus, so they passed what they called a continuing resolution, which allows the government to stay open and funded at the levels of the last fiscal year, that being FY 2021. But going into FY 22 once more, this was a monumental bill for several reasons. One, it's the first one of President Biden's presidency. Uh, it's also one that has to be bipartisan. By nature, the appropriation, appropriations bill has to be bipartisan and it requires the votes of Republicans in the Senate. And so there was a lot of back and forth that took place. And last year, Democrats in both chambers, the House and the Senate, made great proposals, incredible investments, historical investments. And those numbers did not come to pass as a result of its bipartisanship. But that being said, it still led to some significant increases across the board for many of the programs that are of interest to our institutions. Namely, and start off with the probably the biggest one, was a $400 increase to the maximum award of the Pell Grant. Oh, great. This is the largest increase we've seen in at least five years, probably a decade, maybe even longer. Uh, there were some other programs that are important to us that did not fare as successful. For example, the Strengthening Institutions Program only got a 1% increase compared to last fiscal year. And then programs like those that are dedicated for predominantly black institutions and HSIs fared a little better with increases ranging in the 20 and 23% respectively. But there are some really exciting things in this year's bill, too, that we're looking forward to, and that's the establishment of a couple of new programs. Okay. Uh, namely, 
there's an $8 million basic needs grants for institutions to help the students and provide supportive services for students. And out of these $8 million, 25% are set aside for community colleges. Oh, great. Yeah, that's something new. It's something we've been calling and asking for for a very long time. It's something that was that our members tell us about that it's a need in our institution. So we're really excited to see it on the appropriations um, law this year, moving and moving forward, hopefully. And then there's another new program that it was that is geared towards student success grants, and this is something that was included in President Biden's Build Back Better proposals. It was a significant, yes. I was, I was just going to say, the uh, President Biden originally had uh, $60 billion for his college completion fund. And what number uh, did we end up with, Jose? Not in the billions. Uh, <laughs> not even in the high millions. So it's a $5 million program. So, and again, I'll go back to the theme that this is a bipartisan effort, though. Sure. You know, the Build Back sure. Better agenda was a strictly Democratic agenda. Um, but what's exciting about this for us, at least, is that once it's there, it's easier to advocate for increased investments. And once the program is up and running and our institutions are able to tap into these grants and they can show Congress the outcomes that come with these investments, then we can push for increased and hopefully someday we'll get to $60 billion. Yeah, so at the very least, it's kind of nice to have our foot in the door, so to speak. Correct. Um, and one final thing I'd I want to highlight, because I think it's not just the increase in funding, but in finding ways that Congress takes the input from our institutions, the input that we provide to them, and makes those changes to make programs run better, is the C-Campus program. C-Campus stands for Child Care Access Means Parents in School program. Many of our institutions utilize it to provide child care um, to student parents. And that program received a $10 million increase, which is great, but Beyond that, there was also a change in, in the statutory um, law for this program, mm. and it lifted the cap of grant awards to institutions. Okay. Prior to this, an institution could, get in, could only get an award that equaled 1% of the total Pell Grant funds that mm. the, institution, the students in that institution received, which limited the amount of money that institutions could utilize knowing how expensive childcare is. Okay. And so with this with this cap lifted, institutions should be able to leverage that and, and hopefully the department will be able to take into account the rising cost of childcare and give awards that are larger than that 1% cap. Um, but, you know, there are other areas where there were significant investments that are of key importance to us. This was all that I went over was all just in the Department of Education. There's other areas in the Department of Labor that also receive investments. And I'll let Carrie speak to those. Yeah. Uh, so following a similar theme, uh, at the Department of Labor, the, the programs that we watch for community colleges all received increases. Some of those increases were not quite as high as we may have anticipated when the final agreement uh, came together. Um, the prime example of that is the Strengthening Community Colleges Training Grants. Um, that received $5 million additional dollars from last year for a total of $50 million. But originally, uh, President Biden had proposed uh, more than doubling of that program uh, to over $100 million. Um, but this program also exemplifies something Jose was just talking about with the feedback and the importance of feedback from community colleges 
uh, from the leadership to Congress in that the Strengthening Community Colleges program is only a couple of years old. It was a program that was created uh, through appropriations and has continued to grow because colleges uh, have uh, been able to demonstrate the value of those grants for their institutions. And so that is an important success story and one uh, that hopefully can can uh, carry over uh, to some of the department grant, Department of Education grants that Jose was just speaking about. Um, and just quickly, a couple of other items uh, in the Department of Labor budget. Uh, the Workforce and Innovation and Opportunity Act, known as WIOA, uh, has state grants that increased uh, from last year, $34 million higher than last year's number. Uh, and additionally, there was a $50 million growth to $235 million for registered apprenticeships programs. So those uh, were both really good pieces um, of good news as well. So it's, uh, it sounds like there are a lot of moving parts here and a lot to sort of wrap our heads around. Um, but is there anything else that you think uh, folks in community college leadership should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so I mentioned when we started that this was a very historical law, not just because it's President Biden's first, but also because there's something called a community funding project in the House or congressionally directed spending in the Senate that is not the first time this occurs, but it is the first time we were seeing this in a decade, and it's the first time we're seeing them under these names. So this these programs, it's the same thing in the House and the Senate, but they're just naming them differently. But we colloquially know them as earmarks. Okay. And so I'll give you a little bit of a very brief history on it. Earmarks, what they are and, and why they stopped and why they're back. So what earmark is, is basically following the the idea that Congress has the power of the purse, Congress's ability to direct where specific funding goes. Okay. And so this is senators and representatives' ability to direct specific amount of funds to their communities for specific projects. And this has been the norm for a very long time. It was part of the appropriations process up until 2010. And this is what made appropriations very bipartisan too. Both House um, Democrats and Republicans included projects in the bill. And because your projects are in the bill, you have a stake in it. You want to make sure that the bill passes, which is you would always see appropriations laws passing in a very strong bipartisan manner. Um, but there were a lot of rising concerns when we, we got to the, towards the towards 2010 of fraud and misspend and misuse of funds. Okay. And so as a result of that, in 2011, when the new majority came to pass, they banned earmarks. Okay. And so they had been banned for the past decade. When the new Congress, Congressional Majority and 117th Congress came, they decided to revisit this ban and they lifted it, but they did a lot of changes to it. So in an effort to address those concerns of fraud and wasteful spending, They've limited who can access or who can be an eligible recipient of these projects okay. to government entities, local okay. state government entities, as well as nonprofits. Okay. They also increased a lot of transparency measures. So if you right now wanted to go and see if your member submitted projects, you can check their website and they have to have them posted there. Okay, that's interesting. It, it also has to tell you who the the recipient of the funding would be, okay. it would tell you what it's for and the amount of money that it's for. Okay. Now, because this was the first time in a decade, not a lot of people knew about it. Mm -hmm. 
not a lot of people knew how it was going to work. But basically, members get to submit, I believe, up to 10 requests. And not all 10 will be funded, but the committee, as they work through the appropriations bill, this, they pick, um, they try to strike a balance between ensuring that everybody gets something from both sides of the aisle and so on. But one thing that I will know is that this is a great opportunity for institutions to get additional resources without having to compete in a grant application, in a grant competition. Okay. And we know some of our institutions don't necessarily have all the resources to be to compete in federal grants. And so this is a great opportunity to establish those relationships with your member of Congress, to tell them about what your needs are and to submit some of those um, projects that may not be millions and millions of dollars, but who can make a huge difference on your campus. Just to give you um, a recap, like this, with this final law that just passed, the Department of Education included $249.4 million in earmarks. Okay. And the Department of Labor included $137.6 million. Now, that, that's not all for community colleges, obviously, but a significant chunk um, portion of them probably are. And I can give you a couple of examples of what that looks like, you know. Um, in New Jersey, Brookdale Community College had a $450,000 um, project approved to establish a center in excellence in cybersecurity education. Okay. Uh, in Texas, Austin Community College District had a project approved for childcare support services okay. for student parents and to develop a childcare associate program. Um, in Ohio, there was a $500,000 project approved to provide support services to improve student outcomes. Okay. In Washington State, Clark College had a $1.5 million project approved to purchase equipment of technology for their advanced manufacturing center. So you can see the range. Some of them are in like the hundreds of thousands. Very few are in the millions. There's some that are like 95,000 just for equipment. So this is just to give you a sense of the range of different projects that you can ask for. Uh, and I say this because now that we just concluded FY22, it's the perfect time to start talking with your elected officials and see what they're doing in terms of community funding project, congressionally directed spending, um, and start thinking about that because those, the, the window to submit your proposals to your elected officials is coming up probably late this month, as, as late as next month as well. So just something to think about. Yes, if you are a community college leader and thinking that those projects um, sound sound good to you or have given you an idea, uh, this is definitely the time, um, particularly uh, if you had the opportunity to join the National Le Legislative Summit in February. You know, this is one of the reasons why we really encourage uh, relationship building uh, as part of that work. You know, you don't want to just be in touch one time a year. And then this, you know, this is a great opportunity to build on those relationships talk with your elected officials about what's happening on your campus, what your needs are, and see if you can possibly get in the queue for fiscal year 23. Um, you know, kind of bringing it to a bookend of where we started, uh, the fiscal year uh, appropriation process, you know, generally is supposed to happen in the spring with the appropriations bill being passed by the end of September, which means even though there is great relief to have just finished uh, fiscal year 22 appropriations, uh, because of the timing and because of the delay, we are now sprinting immediately in to fiscal year 23 um, request process. So as Jose mentioned, March 
into maybe mid-April is really the time to be having conversations with those offices. Jose, is there anything else you would add? Yeah, I would just close off. I know this isn't strictly appropriations process, but it is appropriations related. And I think a good way for me to pitch some of our resources. But Carrie earlier mentioned the Strengthening Community College Training Grants, and mm-hmm. she talked about the $5 million increase, which built on some of our previous efforts and, and the increased demand for that program. Well, the second round of applications for that grant is actually currently open, and that's the one that was funded during the last fiscal year in FY21. It's a $45 million grant, um, and it's open until June 2nd of this year. Okay. So if your institution is interested in leveraging federal resources for workforce training program, partnering with your local employers, local communities, this is a great program to leverage. And we definitely want to show Congress that there is still a demand for this so that when we go back to them in a couple of weeks to talk about (laughs) this program in FY23, we can show them that this is a program that has a need that can be leveraged by many of our institutions and that can make real impact on our students. So again, uh, it's it's open until June 2nd. Uh, If you want more information about it, you can Look at our advocacy page. You can look at our law alerts. If you're not already signed up on our law alerts, please, I highly encourage you to do so. This is when we send out any timely updates from federal government, mm-hmm. such as grant opportunities or the appropriations bill with a full fact sheet that we've put together so you can see all the various programs and where they were funded at. Uh, that's all I had for now. I just want to, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to let our institutions know that this this funding is available there, but I'll turn it back to you, Karen. Yeah, no, I think that's a great flag um, that this is the window for that. Uh, and thank you for mentioning the many uh, resources on our website. I know uh, there are a lot of numbers in this conversation today, a lot of millions, billions. Uh, we try to speak them <laughs> clearly um, and several percentages. So as Jose mentioned, we do have a fiscal year 22 fact sheet uh, that is up on the fact sheet section of our advocacy tab on ACCT.org. And so that's a great resource if you want to check out some of these numbers. Uh, I encourage you uh, to go there uh, and and see the specific programs. They're also, particularly in the Department of Education, the list of programs is very long. So if we didn't mention something that you're curious about today, be sure to check the fact sheet. And if it's still not there, um, you're always welcome uh, to reach out at publicpolicy at acct.org. Yeah, and I'll be sure to include the resources we've discussed today um, as links in the description for this episode. Uh, thank you both for taking the time to talk about this. I think it's really interesting and it's exciting. I mean, you know, despite not getting everything that we want, it seems like there's good movement towards getting more money for community colleges and already more money going into community colleges. So I think that's fantastic. All of the resources we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the description. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.